Welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. So in um, this episode, we'll be talking about trauma bonding and the signs that you might be trauma bonded. Right, so, so trauma bond can be a very taxing uh, thing to have to go through, um, especially in the phase um, like after abuse, when you're trauma bonded to the abuser and the relationship of abuse all in all, it becomes like a like a rope that's tied on your neck and that's holding you back from trying to move on and trying to become the person you want to be, trying to achieve the goals you want to achieve, um, <coughs> even just going through the journey of healing and uh, the whole concept of moving on from abuse. Trauma bonding can be a very taxing, exhausting thing to have to have to go through, especially when it involves you know the abuser is never on their own. They're gonna use someone that's always gonna be sort of like the the mat, the doormat that they're gonna step on. Or even the backup plan that they're going to depend on if they're mischiefs, mischievous attempts to harm you fail. And there come the flying monkeys or enablers in general and the people who are backing up the uh, abuser, narcissist, in their deals. Um, and of course their attempts and trials are endless because they don't care about you, they care about their best interest, they care about what they're going to get from you eventually. And in what every time you give in, you give and you, you're potentially getting weaker and weaker every time you give in to their power, right? And that's what they want. Because that empowers them and that gives them the authority to control you even more and to intervene in every single aspect of your life, destroying every single aspect uh, throughout uh, the abuse. And they do so intentionally and because they like to see someone suffering because they suffered once in their life and so they don't mind seeing someone else suffer for them um it's a very very sad and painful topic to talk about this time because trauma bonding affects the abuse survivor in so many, if not all, aspects of their lives. Their social um, life, their financial, their 
intellectual, their mental, emotional, physical, nutritional, everything. You know, it just touches everything in decision making, in goal setting, in you name it. You know, these are really the the important stuff that someone needs to do, for example, to determine if they're going to be able to do something for their lives or if they're going to be clear with themselves as to whether or not they're going to be responsible or honest, for example. It really, it's such a hurdle that they have to go through uh, this trauma bond. It's a huge inhibitor for someone's ability to be able to even make a decision or focus on something or create a goal or be ambitious or make something and work consistently on it. It's not easy. It's a huge challenge and it's definitely something worth fighting all the way throughout the journey of healing and becoming a better person. So, I have this article um, from, okay, so there's one, only one, um, abusewarrior.com. It's inspired from abusewarrior.com and it's entitled 11 Subtle Signs of Trauma Bonding. Okay, so uh, let's begin with this article because this is going to help me elaborate more on the points that I have in my head. So trauma bonding occurs because the trauma of the abuse changes your brain physiologically as you start to release neuropeptides which bond you to your partner to whom you are addicted. This is the definition of addiction and this was also mentioned by the Australian uh, coach she's wonderful by the way i forgot her name i'm so sorry about this but she talks about these peptides and their huge immense effect on uh, someone's life and this is what trauma bond is it's literally addiction to the abuse to the person who abused you and it's like um your your brain literally and physical physiologically changes because of the uh, neuropeptides that have been secreted in your uh, nervous cells because of the roller coaster ride of the abuse. When oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, dopamine, yeah, dopamine, these are the hormones of joy and excitement and they're not really hormones i think most likely they're gonna be neurotransmitters yeah i think they're neurotransmitters most likely i just i forgot this was a science a lesson in science before and i don't remember exactly but i'm gonna do thorough research about this just to be sure so when oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, the joy and excitement, uh, I'm going to call them neurotransmitters because I remember that they are neurotransmitters. Cortisol and adrenaline are involved. Yes, 
definitely the stress hormones. Yeah, these are definitely hormones because they're secreted by the adrenal glands over the uh, kidneys. Um, the abusive nature of the relationship can actually strengthen rather than dampen the bond of, uh, of the relationship in the brain. So, so whenever oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine are secreted or discharged, the hormones of joy and excitement and thrill, you will see also that there is a rush in adrenaline and in, wor in worst cases, cortisol getting involved. And we all know how terrible cortisol is for the immune system, for the whole entire body. And I'm going to dedicate a special episode talking about the the, the relationship between um, going through abuse and the long-term effects of it and how too much stress can lead to terminal illnesses like cancer, uh, cardiovascular diseases and so many so many interesting scientific stuff to talk about right so I will be dedicating a special episode talking about that specifically and thoroughly but for now this is a brief uh, introduction so basically whenever uh, oxytocin serotonin dopamine the hormones in uh in not increase involved in the I d most likely they're going to be involved in the phase of love bombing it's where all the happiness and joy and glory and love and excitement is is okay it's there but then the stress um, gets overwhelming whenever there is the sign that there is going to be potential abuse going on. So remember that there's always uh, a parallel pathways of the neurotransmitters of happiness and joy and stress. So, and this is how it is. This is what characterizes the uh, relationship with an abusive person. This whole entire relationship is basically a roller, feels like a roller coaster ride. You know, one day you're feeling very high and happy and excited. Next day you're at the bottomest of the bottom of the ocean. And it's not just, it's not even consistent. You know, it's not even a day uh, where you feel like you're walking on air and then the next you're at the bottom pit you know it's it's not even organized you may be feeling very high and happy for two days and then very low for five days say so it's not even consistent it's not even organized the amount of days you may have where you're going to be excited or sad and frustrated. And this is the mess created by the abuse. This is 
the whole entire uh, core of the relationship uh, being abusive. And it's damaging, it's destructive, and it's destabilizing a lot, a, a whole lot, okay? Now, without any further ado, let's go with the subtle signs of trauma bond. So the first sign is you constantly worry about doing something that would upset them. If you find yourself to be someone who is highly, highly guilty over the tiniest, smallest things you might do, even the things that are not even supposed to be harmful, you will find yourself worrying constantly about whether that thing is going to upset them or not. And from a personal experience, I've been through this my whole entire life, even in the smallest, tiniest things that shouldn't even do any harm. Okay, I've been tormented by those that worry that was consistent as to whether or not I was going to upset the narcissist in my life. You constantly feel like you're walking on eggshells around the abuser because the whole path, the whole road towards your goal or objective always feels like it's about to break, always feels like it's about to cause an earthquake. It's always shaky, it's always not stable. And so you're walking on eggshells, literally you know, you have to be extremely careful with the steps you make. Every step you take, sorry, every step you take has to be very carefully studied and very carefully planned for. Otherwise, the tiniest, smallest mistake is going to cause you an injury and it's going to cause you to bleed and your feet are going to hurt and blah, blah, blah with the terrible repercussions that might happen later on. And then we have also worrying that you say or do something that will set off the abuser, or that will set the abuser off. You know, it's not just once or twice. This is a consistent pattern. When you find yourself constantly worrying, and um, even the the things that you will say or even do or even think about will be a worry for you will be something that you're gonna have to worry about because you're afraid it might set the abuser off and not put you in this position where you're uh, capable of uh, thinking well or making a healthy decision or whatever nothing is good enough nothing is likable um you're constantly worrying over whether or not thing that you say or do is gonna upset or piss the abuser off and that's the thing that really one of the biggest i say um signs or correct characteristics of trauma bonding is that you're constantly you're always going to be bonded to the trauma of the 
narcissistic rage that is gonna blow out from the narcissist out of nowhere you're addicted to it because it's always causing you stress and thrill and fear and it's never safe that's the problem it's addictive um next sign is you got out of your you get out of your way to protect them and them of course refers to the abuser we want to run away from the abuse and the aftermath pain of course nobody wants to stay in this abuse but we find ourselves usually having to stay in the abuse okay and it's not because we want to stay a lot of the times it's because we are kept unable to leave and this is gonna be another episode about learned hopelessness um we believe the abuser is mentally or emotionally disturbed and is the product of a dysfunctional environment you know what actually I think it's a choice because there is abusive environment everywhere okay and dysfunctional environments exist but the choice to become a healer or an abuser goes back to the person themselves nobody made the choice for them nobody took the responsibility of that choice for them this person made the choice to become the abuser themselves and they decided to become that abuser who will destroy others because it empowers them and makes me it makes them feel good about themselves and so it can be considered as a concrete factual thing to believe in but truth is it's a choice made by this person and the only person that's gonna take care of the repercussions is that person themselves and believing that this is true can be a justification but it's really it's only a choice and a responsibility over the consequences of that choice okay i don't like to justify any of this behavior any of this uh part of abuse but i'd like to believe that there's always change and a fight between what's fair and what's unfair um for people to live peacefully okay so develop we develop a bond and want to protect the abuser sometimes we may stand up for the abuser and turn our backs to people who truly care um actually i added turn our backs to people who truly care because so many times we find ourselves doing that and it's because the abuser has a very intelligent or should i say cunning way of persuading you 
coming up with this pitiful story that's going to make you want to pity them. And in that way, you are emotional and you are sensitive towards this person and you want to you feel like this person is weak and so the instinctual thing to do here is to protect them is to be the the armor that's going to take the damage and protect them but what they're going to do you do to you later is throw you under the bus whenever they get the chance and literally when we have people who uh, we are going to for advice um, who are going to give us genuine advice advice that's going to protect us and not the abuser we usually turn our backs on them because we see that um, they're not as empathic as we are and they don't care about protecting the abuser which is which is right we shouldn't care about protecting the abuser it's absolutely a must to not care about the abuser because the moment we do care about the abuser the moment we show emotions towards the abuser the moment we want to protect the abuser that's when we fall into their trap and that's when we are immediately treated badly and thrown under the bus and it doesn't matter Sign number three is you ignore their bad behavior when they are pointed out by others. When you ignore their bad behavior, especially when it's pointed out by others, you're still rationalizing it. You're still justifying it. You're still making an excuse about this. When you're ignoring their behavior, and saying, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not something bad. You know, it doesn't have to worry about that. Nothing to worry about here. That's also going to make you gaslight yourself. And it's going to put you in this position where you're lying to yourself and you're still protecting the abuser. You are enabling the abuser at this point. Because you've been gaslit all the time by the abuser or their minions or them or yourself, and because you're uh, actually I added these myself. These are my points. <laughs> because you're you rationalize realize, generalize, hypnotize, and justify, justify, glorify the abuse. <laughs> that was also me. But the point is, um, yeah, just what I said. Because you rationalize, definitely also realize, generalize, and hypnotize, and justify, testify, as well as glorify the abuse, because you make it such a big deal, you make it such a beautiful thing, that you will not sleep without it. That you will not go to bed without it. And that's the thing. That's the problem. When you ignore their bad behavior. You're enabling them. And essentially you're glorifying their abuse. Even when others. Talk about it. You know they speak up about it. They try to expose it to you. And you're still ignoring it. 
it means you're enabling the abuse. Sign number four is you know that they're deceptive and abusive, but you still cannot let go. These are all signs of trauma bonding, okay? Uh, when you know that they are deceptive, they deceive you and abuse you, and you feel like you still cannot let go, this is part of learned helplessness, and it's part of feeling like the world is going to go against you once you leave the abuser. Feeling like the world is going to conspire against you, is going to want only the worst for you when you once you leave the abuser. Which is, by the way, not something you naturally believed in. That's something you are artificially conditioned into believing in, of course, by the abuser. And you remain despite... You remain... Okay, you remain there despite the breadcrumbing. And breadcrumbing of the love, of the trust, of the appreciation, of the compliments, of all the positive things you've always wanted to have. You remain despite them. And you're hungry, you're starving for the love, respect, appreciation, encouragement you've always wanted to hear. You've always yearned for the abuser to, to just once tell you that they appreciate you, that they are thankful that they have you around, that you're saving their ass every time they fall into trouble or whatever. But still, you're starved and it's only like once in a century that you're ever going to hear something as good as thank you or you're good or it's fine or I'm glad to have you here. Like none of this shit even is sincere coming from the abuser's mouth. Trust me. Sign number five, you you do everything to please them and are always loyal, even when they give you nothing but pain. It's like a dog wanting a bone so much, and they love that bone. They love the person who gives them the bone, and when they take away that bone, they still love that person. Even though they're starving and hungry and they haven't eaten a thing, they want that bone so bad. Even if it's taken away, they still love that person. And loyal. Dogs are loyal. Right. Have you heard about the boiling frog? Essentially, the boiling frog is the experiment... If you put a frog in a cold water in the stove, on the stove, and slowly uh, slowly boil, uh, bring the water into boil, the frog will never try to jump out of the pot. Even if the water c gets to this point where it's boiling, literally hot, as hell and it means that the frog has to get out has to save itself it has to be alive it won't save itself anymore it surrenders completely which reminds me of another experiment of the pit of despair i think it was called this is actually worse than the than the frog um 
they isolate monkeys away from their surrogate mothers into these pits literally duck dark boxes they are given food and water and the ordinary um satisfactory stuff that's only gonna satisfy them to survive at the least and without the affection without the love without the protection of the mother um even when they open those boxes up even when they actually uh attempt to put mothers into their into those boxes those monkeys have already given up on life and some monkeys won't even won't even eat or sleep or drink anymore and they end up um you know rolling over themselves and they won't have anything or eat anything or want to be with anyone and end up dying some though who survived require a huge amount of care and an intensive treatment um to heal to get back to normal such a sad point to mention but yeah this is what it is you do everything to please a narcissist and you're always loyal even when they give you nothing but pain and so I don't know if that experiment had anything to do with this point but what I'm trying to say is you do everything to please them they always change their minds by the way have you have you ever noticed that even when you try to reach their expectations they're always going to change them at any point of time at any place at any at any point at any time at any rate they're always going to change their expectations and it's something that's always going to prove them right that they're never satisfied and you're always loyal despite the fact that they give you nothing but pain pain over doing this pain over doing that pain over being with this person pain over being alone they'll, they'll tell you everything is bad with you if you're if you're studying it's bad if you're taking a break it's bad if you're working out it's bad if you're chilling a bit it's bad if you're eating uh if you're snacks if you're eating snacks it's bad if you're not eating and you're trying to come up with some sort of a regime to follow for your body to lose some weight i don't know it's bad so whatever it is you do it's always going to be bad sign number six you have your emotions from them always tune your emotions and feelings to the to these to those of the narcissist 
Yeah, you always, you always do that. Because you're accustomed to always want to appease, appease the tension going on and you want to make sure that the narcissist is always at peace. And so you're constantly looking for that spark of anger or irritation and you're always going to want to turn it off. And so you're always alert, always. You fear your feeling will piss them off. Yeah, you fear that your feelings will piss them off. You're not allowed to have any feelings. No. No feelings of... Especially the bad ones. Like, no feelings of anger, frustration, sadness, sorrow, whatever. No feelings at all. And even even happiness, actually, and excitement... That's always going to make them feel inferior and they're always going to want to make up a story that's going to make them feel a lot better than how you are right now. It's always about comparing themselves to you and make sure, making sure that they are at a superior position than you are. And you might get uh, mocked, insulted, devalued for your feelings. If you ever have any, you're... Uh, you're always going to be in that position where you're going to be mocked, made fun of, embarrassed. Just just for the sake of their entertainment. Sign number seven, you feel addicted to them. Which is what we talked about earlier, the whole entire definition. Seven, um, seven, eight. <laughs> Sign number eight, you always have an excuse for them. So... Thoughts in their regard, uh, I deserved it, he didn't mean to get angry, he puts up with me and still lives, loves me, he was jealous, I would be too, he had a terrible childhood, I feel sorry for him, I can help him to change with love and support, he deserves a fair go, he doesn't mean to hurt me, all of these are nothing but justifications and second guessing yourself and gaslighting yourself about the abuser sign number nine you compromise yourself to please them plummeting of self-worth automatic uh reflect of self-sabotage not worthy of peace or safety learned helplessness you feel like you're never worth of peace or safety and you definitely have a huge issue with self-sabotage. That's when you compromise yourself with a narcissist or abuser. Sign number 10, you forget your worth and value. Emptiness inside. Feeling invisible. Especially around the narcissist. They will make sure that everyone, even the whole entire world, is shining the light on them. And you remain there like the invisible cloak. And constant fight for approval. Constant. And the problem with the narcissist is that they're extremely difficult. And you're never going to get that from them. And even if you do, it's a rare, special occasion. Even one day when they're at a party and they're the king or queen of the... Uh, of the of the scene 
then they'll thank you then they'll show you that they appreciate you then they will approve of something you did or said once but then the whole entire you know consistent routine of being around them is never gonna be <clears throat> a time where they're gonna approve of any of what you do or say it's just the way it is with narcissist and finally 11 you crave the crumbs of love and attention skin hunger and love starvation or touch starvation yeah you always you're always craving for those crumbs and you're always left to starve with the narcissist so this is definitely a painful thing to have to go through even during a uh, a relationship filled with abuse and pain and harm and trauma definitely definitely the one thing i should recommend is that you should go ahead and start to have boundaries and definitely seek support groups or someone that's gonna give you an honest ear and give you honest life-saving advice okay find someone who's gonna be there for you and validate you validate your story and who's gonna maybe help you stand up to the narcissist to the abuser and put an end to it okay if you can go no contact because you cannot go like this you cannot go on like this this is destroying you and it's uh, debilitating your capabilities of becoming an adult basically so yeah I would say that definitely and let's all seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse right okay so uh this is it for this episode i hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as i enjoyed recording it um hopefully and if you can and if you want to you know if you want to see this podcast successful and uh out there the smallest contribution will be very much appreciated and please don't forget to check out the links i'll be posting in the show notes uh for you to check out this episode on social media and platforms and the merch and yeah basically that's it and i'll see you in the next episode